The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny, Sestina, and company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me on today's show is Spencer Hagar, Craig Konstantinovich, and we are all certified financial planners. How are you guys? Doing good. Can't complain. Good. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. lovely. Doing lovely. Good. Good, Craig. That's good to hear. <laughs> well, we did just pass Valentine's Day. Yep. Right? And we're going to focus, the, uh, as you said, love and money. <laughs> That'll be today's topic is love and money, but man- managing money as couples and coming together as a couple and how do you how do you blend finances. So we'll be discussing that in today's show and a lot to hopefully get a lot of good topics and all the listeners can share the uh, podcast or share the information with people they care about. So that's that'll be the focus on today's show. Uh, but before we get into our primary topic, we like to talk about current events. Mm-hmm. Spencer, what's on your lead current event page here these uh, days? Yeah, interest rates. I'm sure everyone's excited about that. Okay. But uh, yeah, March is coming up, and now the Federal Reserve is talking about raising interest rates. And uh, I thought of it because I'm starting to see it creep into every conversation now, right? Like all of us being investment nerds and, and financial planners, we all always track that and what it would do with the stock market. But I was talking to someone with Honda Finance and my fiance's lease is coming up and I brought up buying out the lease, being done with it. That was the first thing he went to. Interest rates. Do it before the interest rates go up in March. It could play a role in it. So I think everyone's starting to get a, a feel for what's coming next. Yeah. Craig, well, how about you? Yeah. I mean, especially if you're looking at the interest rates starting to creep up, up and up, I mean, that's going to change things from a lot of different financial aspects, whether it's auto loans, whether it's bank accounts, and actually getting some interest on your savings account as opposed to those lovely 0.01% rates that we're getting <laughs> in a lot of places. Um, but, I mean, outside of that, the one that's smacking me in the face right now is the whole Russia-Ukraine situation. Sure. You know, you've got the Olympics going on as well. So, in my mind, goes back to one of the old shows that we did where we talked about the tax implications on some of the athletes when they win medals what they actually have to pay on some of those um, items that they get when they're abroad. So go back, take a look. A couple of years ago, may not be the first podcast that's up there, but <laughs> we did a lot of in-depth uh, discussion on that topic in particular. But, I mean, Russia right now in, in Ukraine, it's it, it's impacting everything. Yeah, you, you know, conversations are around it. How is that going to impact the stock market? You know, again, when you look at it from the financial aspect, it's, you know, okay, you've got Europe that just got done with this pandemic like everyone else. They were, you know, bludgeoning cash at that point, and now all of a sudden you have this situation going on, and, you know, fingers crossed it doesn't get too hairy at this point, but the financial impact, I mean, we may be looking at negative interest rates continuing in Europe. Yeah, and that, that's what's, what's going to be interesting is this, the disparity on interest rates. If mm-hmm. it's low over in Europe, Russia, going up here how's that going to affect the financial markets but yet oil prices are are climbing right fear of uh, energy uh europe's primary oil provider is russia i believe Mm -hmm. uh right this is their primary oil Mm -hmm. provider so that they're they're not feeling good over there and obviously nobody likes war so that's not a good thing 
regardless. And it could it's gonna have impact on the financial markets. I, I don't like to joke about something like this, but did you guys see the joke that the president of Ukraine made Mm-mm, that like no, spark, no. spooked the markets? Yeah, he essentially said something along the lines of it could happen on, you know, February sixteenth, and I don't know exactly what the context was because they translated it, but the market started going crazy and then he immediately had to backtrack and say, Oh no, it was sarcasm it was a joke. And so it, it cracks me up when I see the markets kind of go this haywire when it can be spooked over a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 people are are, are walking on eggshells here, and uh, you know we're seeing it in the crypto market. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the current events I thought was interesting is uh, people seizing crypto accounts. Oh, Canada, oh yeah, right because yeah. of the protests, and if they were going to do GoFundMe's with the crypto, and then all of a sudden the government's intervening. And that's the number one thing I tell with people when they, they mm-hmm. ask, because we just watched the Super Bowl. <laughs> what, was the pri- right? what was the primary commercial we saw was about crypto. Mm-hmm. It was cra- It's a new generation. I joked to, to, to the younger generations, and Mike, you'll be able to agree with me, back in the early, mid, mid to late 90s was all dot-com commercials. Oh, yeah. I just want to be a the- pioneer, Stephen. <laughs> and it reminds me of those late 90s commercials where it was a lot mm-hmm. of this uh, speculation and it was hype, right? And they had money and they were spending money where people were watching and it was the Super Bowl commercials and it, it pumped a lot of revenue into the advertising. But with the crypto environment, that's why I warn people the number one obstacle is going to be the government intervention and regulation. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, and that there's too much risk there. Mm-hmm. Right. Know? I mean, at this point, they're still trying to figure out, at least in the U.S., what's the tax implications of this. Is it going to be deemed a collectible like gold and silver, like other commodities? Is it going to be an investment? So now you have to pay capital gains taxes. It doesn't sound like a big issue, but when you look at it, a majority of capital gains taxes are taxed are taxed at fifteen percent. A collectible is taxed at twenty eight percent. The government decides to classify everything at a 28% tax rate. When you go to liquidate it and you have to pay that, is it really a, a currency or an investment at that point, or is it something valuable? Yeah. So it's the the age-old conversation at this point. A lot of uncertainty there. So, you know, that was, I thought that was interesting with the, the Super Bowl, which was a great game, and our condolences to our local Bengal fans. <sighs> Uh, great game, nonetheless. Thought valiantly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they did. I just hate the blowout. So it was good to see a competitive game and – uh, nonetheless, so I guess there are no moral victories, but uh, <laughs> consolation prize, maybe second place. But nonetheless, uh, crypto is, was on my mind. And uh, Spencer, we were talking, you, you found it interesting with Peloton. Yeah, full disclaimer, I own a Peloton. I, I do like Peloton. but <laughs> So this is why you're yeah, entertained, right? Yeah. right. Not a shareholder, that. but a, a user. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. Yes, right, thank good. you. Um, but yeah, it was interesting because recently everyone's been dogging on Peloton stock, essentially – uh, their revenue took a huge hit. Their earnings going down. Everyone's downgrading it. Pretty much everyone's predicting now that we're through the pandemic or quote unquote through the pan- pandemic, it's going to lose steam. Peloton's going to fall off. People won't care. And the interesting part that I thought was fascinating is now all of a sudden it takes a huge dive, the stock price, and then Amazon and Nike start to float out that maybe they have an interest in purchasing it. All of a sudden, the stock starts to take off, and I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but right. it'd be interesting to see Peloton become another cog in Amazon's wheel. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a machine. There's yeah, no 100%. doubt about it. Everything they touch turns to gold at, gold at this point. You know, with, with the these these kind of stocks, what, what people forget is when you're looking at individual stocks, a lot of that pricing is based on future revenue, mm-hmm. and, they, and it's a lot of it's forecasted that this revenue is going to continue. 
Right. And they, they don't people don't realize that the revenue could possibly slow down. Oh yeah. Right. And and we saw that right during the pandemic, the Peloton bikes became real popular uh, quickly. And mm-hmm. people, they just thought, oh, this is the new thing. This is the future. And it, it is, but how many bikes can you sell right. before it becomes saturated? Well, it's just like, I mean, Spencer, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have two Peloton bikes because you and your fiance both want to use your bike at the same time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so you just have the one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's another factor in it, too, is that if you're going to be building something that's going to be a, subs- a subscription-based service, but tie it to something that's tangible, you have to factor that in of, hey, where we may be going after a certain number of consumers, we have to realize that it's probably only going to be one per household. And so we're not going to necessarily have, you know, one, two, three, four, five Pelotons in one single household. It's going to be word of mouth, them talking to their friends to grow the business in that manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lots of, co- there's going to be changes there. And I think the competition, even in the, you mentioned subscription services, where I, mm-hmm. five, 10 years ago, it was Netflix. Then it became Amazon, and now we have Disney and Paramount and you name it, right? How many different channels are there? They're becoming their own entity, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of competition there. How much can you shell out every month for these channels? And how much content can you produce with, with right. what's available at this right. point? Yeah, yeah. that one channel I mentioned, uh, so many animated shows, I'm like, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Once I get through my Beatles documentary, I'm over. <laughs> <laughs> You're on that seven-day free trial lifestyle. Right. So, I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, we're coming up on a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about love and money, uh, couples and money. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy in, on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we're dedicating uh, probably a week or two late, but (laughs) Valentine's Day was just happened. Uh... Do you, do you celebrate Valentine's Day? I know if John was here, we know his answer. But, <laughs> oh yeah, right. Do you? I mean, yeah, I do. Um, we don't do anything too crazy. Usually, it's just something nice for dinner, pick up okay. some flowers, but nothing too extravagant. <sighs> flowers. I, I do it throughout the year too. So, but I did notice usually I'll buy my fiance like a, uh, every you know maybe once a month I'll buy her a twenty five dollar dozen of roses and i went in there and it was 45 dollars. so i found a nice 20 dollars yes, but i could not yeah I, I would feel extorted to pay 45 supply chain shortages craig. in the uh, yeah. in the flower aisle huh yeah and craig um, how do you manage this we Valentine's you know days? we don't really do anything too big nothing special anything like that we usually do like a date night once a week where it's just us get out of the house phones away that kind of a thing Good. so we did that but uh, pushed it to Tuesday, and Stephen, you'll appreciate this. We actually went to uh, Vitoria, yeah, over in Powell. Nice. So haven't been there in a while, and figured, hey, you know, especially since we're expecting the yep. cravings are out there, sure. and the <laughs> pasta <laughs> craving was strong at that and point. You finished so. with some limoncello. I did. She, she obviously right, of course could not. not so. no, but I knew you would. So I threw it out there. So let me just give you words of advice, Spencer. Yeah, please. Every day is Valentine's Bingo. Day. Bingo. Then you don't have to buy roses. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> no, that's good. Where that's were you two good. weeks ago, Stephen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you didn't ask. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. But no, the reason today's show we're, we're going to talk about couples and money is it's important, right? Mm-hmm. It's important for relationships. I just was talking to a friend, uh, Teresa, and Teresa was talking to me about how uh, going through a monthly budget and expense every month with their husband 
has helped their relationship. She goes, it has provided us clarity. Mm-hmm. It provided us, we're on the, puts us on the same page. So that's why it's important to have that communication with money if you're yep. a couple. Um, very, very important. So, Craig, if you're, you're working with a young couple, how do you approach it? What do you talk to them about? First thing I, I say is you're going from a me to a we. It seems very basic. It seems, you know, um, straightforward. But when you start thinking about it like that, you've probably been going about managing your finances on your own for so long. You know what you spend, you know what to expect, how you monitor things, or you either bury your head in the sand and you just say, hey, there was money in my checking account yesterday. There's money in my checking account today. It's a good day. Um, but you're going, your financial habits are going to have an immediate impact on your significant other. So you have to start thinking about that as a we perspective. Um, then obviously you have to start, and hopefully you've done this as you've been courting each other, but you have to figure out what it is that you want to do. You know, obviously the one that smacks everyone right in the face is kids. Obviously, yes, that's a personal decision, but it immediately has a financial impact. Are we both going to continue to work? Is one person going to stay home? Do we want to plan on funding college for them? Do we want to do private schooling? You know, you go down the list and there's so many financial considerations. But then on top of that, too, is it, hey, I have a dream of owning a vacation home, something like that. Well, then the best way to get those goals out is to talk about that early, continue to revisit it, because those goals can change. There's nothing to say that those need to be etched in stone. But if there is something large, you need to start talking about it soon and get that started early. So it's it's really that focus of have you already started that conversation on finances, how things are going to be managed, or is this all brand new and I get to be the intermediary as you two start to figure things out with me in the room here? Yeah, no, that's tremendous advice, and I agree, right? The me to we, because you're blending now. You're blending mm-hmm. incomes. You're blending finances. You're blending aspirations, goals, yeah. whatever it may be, and that's communication is a critical point. So we're going to go through the different stages of life and when it comes to relationships, and stage one is that courtship, right? Dating. Spencer, you're grinning here. Yeah. It's the, thinking back to just before he proposed. It's, right, it's right. just the most awkward stage, and it's the it's the most based on comfort. I, I can't say what grade this was in because I, I would be exposing my teacher, but I'll never forget one of my personal finance teachers telling us, you know, yeah, my first date with, with what turned out to be his wife, he asked her her credit score. <laughs> and then what credit card that she had. I remember him saying that. I just couldn't believe it, but... It is kind of, I mean, first date's a little bit heavy in that's my opinion. How, that's but, that's, that's, some serious, that's check, a good please. one, though. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. a good one, yeah. right? Obviously, you remember yeah, it. But exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, I did not ask my fiancé on the first date. But, <laughs> uh, but no, I think that's part of it. It's more just getting on the same page, knowing what each other has going on in the courting stage. Because um, I'm kind of watching this real time. I've said my fiancé probably five times on the show. From the dating to engagement, it's it's a... I can kind of see the goals and things shifting real time. But, yeah, I think just understanding where each other at with finances and then really habits. Mm-hmm. Right? You can tell just habits when you're dating each other without getting in, getting in each other's pockets. How do they do with this, with that? Do they pay the bills on time? Things like that. And the reason we bring this up and it comes to relationships and money, and uh, we've talked to numerous uh, divorce attorneys, the number one reason is finances. 100%. Right? The number one reason. So this is really, really important. To your point, I, I actually had a date uh, in my in my youth where during the date over dinner conversation, it was, oh, yeah, I have a problem with credit cards. She's like, okay, I have a problem with credit cards. I already had to declare bankruptcy. 
Oh. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? So it was a it was a red flag and uh, lovely woman, but not not my type, right? Yeah. But it was it was it was concerning, right? So uh, you have to worry about these things, uh, Craig. What? How do you go about the any advice on the dating stage? Yeah, I mean the the biggest as our society has continued to evolve and as things have become more easily accessible, it's not as much an issue as it had been before, but. I, I'm sure I've been quoted many times on the show by saying, you know, you're, you grow up and you're told, don't talk to strangers and don't talk about money. Or well, religion. Or well, politics. There you go. There you go. And that's what every conversation seems to be about anymore. <laughs> but no, I mean, talk about money. And it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, as blunt as, you know, hey, how much do you have in your savings account right now? Probably not the best way to go about it, but if you can curtail your conversation or ask the, ask the question a little bit more indirectly, hey, is there anything you're saving up for? Do you have any big trips that are upcoming? If you can think about ways that you can get the information that you want by asking a soft, innocent question, you usually have much more success and it doesn't come across as abrasive. Yeah. So just find ways to kind of work that in and see if there is anything that you can pick up on just by kind of what they say or how they say it to say, yeah, maybe finances are a trouble. Don't let that necessarily ruin the relationship, but be aware of it. Yeah, and maybe expand the conversation, right? But mm -hmm. over time, and and you know, I agree with Spencer, the habits, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Watch the habits. If and and everything today is electronic payment anyway, so you're going to see how many credit cards are in the wallet. Like if mm -hmm. you have, you know, six or seven, and or you know, all the the department store credit cards or whatever it may be. You can then at least have that comment. Are you concerned about it? How do you manage it? How do you manage finances? Mm -hmm. Right. In the old days, it used to be cash, so it was a little easier to see. But then you saw credit cards, then you could you expanded that conversation. But I agree. Look at the have watch the habits is really important. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm. I kind of am just thinking about if John was here, and it kind of ties in with what you said initially. I think depending on where you're at in the dating cycle, you know, the more you can talk about without, you know get too much into it the values each other have because the more you can kind of start setting the st stage early with the goals right if you know you want to have kids that's going to be expensive if you know your significant other has a lot of student loan debt and you want to be debt free plan ahead don't just keep living in today so not saying everyone's going to go on date and then get married but it's those kind of things the earlier you know the better you can plan for it i think i can't can't i couldn't agree more so well we're coming up on a break here and, and we get back uh to the next segment we'll talk about engagement We'll talk about marriage. We'll talk mm -hmm. about the stages in life, but it's all all uh, encompassing and all important to have build a sound financial plan with whoever you decide to spend the rest of your life with. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me on today's show is Spencer Hagar, Craig Konstantinovich. We are all certified financial planners. If you'd like to learn more about Managing to Be Wealthy and John E. Sestina and Company, you could visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com or contact our office at 614-326-3077. We're welcome to any and all open free consultation to first visit if you'd like to learn a little bit more on what it takes to build a sound financial plan. Well, today's show, we're talking of post-Valentine's Day, couples mm -hmm. and money, love and money. Uh, we talk about the importance behind having a clear financial picture for a couple, 
provides that peace of mind and, and knowing that you're on the path to that financial independence and knowing how to manage your, your finances and goals is very critical. But when it comes to relationships and building your relationship, we've talked about this on, on prior shows, but your childhood and your upbringing really molds your perspective of money. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, we all have different uh, upbringings. And when you come together as a couple, even through dating, getting engaged, which we're going to talk about next, is having that blend, Craig, as you said, from me to we. Yep. Very, very important. But again, your your childhood and your upbringing is going to have such a major impact on you. And that's why you have to recognize that everyone's comes from a different perspective when it comes to money. So having that clarity there. So when it comes to an engagement... <clears throat> Craig, let's talk engagement. What what about finance and money and, and people who finally get engaged? I thought you were going to ask the uh, engaged man in oh, the room good here. Idea, <laughs> good idea. Let's let's go there to, to the expert. That was a masterful deflection right there. <laughs> hey, you said that you were going to throw me under the bus at one point or yeah. another. Just return the favor. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think uh, I'll say the obvious one, and I'll kind of loop it in with another one is – First of all, just kind of understand if you're getting engaged, what you want to do as far as do you want to have a wedding? You're going to elope? Are you going to go down to the courthouse? Each one of those has a different dollar amount associated with it. Uh, So get on the same page there because hopefully by this point you know each other's finances. And if you want a really expensive wedding, that can dictate a lot of things. If you want to just elope, that could help. And the other piece, and I'll let you guys jump in on this, is – Also keep in mind what goals you have after the wedding, and maybe that'll play a role in what you do with the wedding. If you wanted to do something expensive, maybe you're going to have to uh, grapple with the fact that that's going to eat a chunk out of a down payment on a home, paying down debt, things like that. So I almost think you have to approach the wedding with the near term and the long term in mind. Great, great advice, right? Because you're you're 100% correct, right? That is only so much funds available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, use it to your expectations or goals. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, you want to build on this? Yeah. Uh, biggest thing is if you have to go out and apply for a loan or use your credit card and not be able to pay it off, you're throwing too big of a bash for your wedding. Yeah. Do not do not take a loan out. It is a, a one-day event, absolutely a very special time, but... You know, again, you start talking about your goals and your aspirations. Well, now assume that you're going to be adding another $500 a month payment towards this. That's money that could be going towards other goals. This is something that, you know, again, you don't want to be paying for the next 30 years or anything like that. But just be practical with one another. If you don't have the funds, maybe consider waiting to announce your wedding date. Or anything and, like that. And that, that would be a good time to do the credit score check. Yeah. Right? Not the first date. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> right, right before the wedding to see what obstacles you're, you're going to have to overcome. Or, Greg, mm-hmm. as you said, or Spencer, either of you said the uh, student loan payments. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. What financial obligations we have coming into this, which is fine. You can tackle it together as a we, which is fantastic. But that would be a good time to do the credit credit score check and see what kind of path you're on before. Maybe, maybe being able to apply for a loan is not even – in the cards, right. so you don't have to worry about it. Or maybe it is, and hey, we have an opportunity here. What do we want to do with this opportunity? And, yeah. And Craig, to your point, I always say, you know, your your wedding day is just your first day. It's not the best day. Right. And people build it up to be the best day. And no, those are many years down the road. Mm-hmm. So uh, just look at it as day one, not not the best day. Right. Um, 
What about any any mistakes that people should be concerned about for engagement, Spencer? I mean, I think what we kind of said tied in a little bit. Uh, one is not getting on the same page quick enough. Okay. So one is, you know, to Craig's point, hopefully you're definitely not going into debt for it. Or if you don't get on the same page quick enough and you didn't set a budget, you know, the last thing you want is for someone to be disappointed when you find out that something's not in the budget at all. Um and this one I agree with. I kind of came to it intuitively, but there's a lot of contracts flying at you when it comes to these. And um, I actually got caught off guard with one of them, um, right? Some of them will say in there that this is the quoted price, but we can still switch it even before the final payments come due. You know, so especially right now with things like food up going inflation. up. Yeah, yeah, everything, everything. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it on pretty much all fronts. Um contracts i signed which you know granted we planned ahead i'm getting notices left and right that here's the updated price it went up a little bit nothing crazy but definitely put some sort of buffer in there for That's these contracts really signing. really good point because as we've talked about inflation is legit yeah and you could be 10 15 20 percent in some areas and it's not slowing down so yeah. that's really good advice yeah so just make sure you read the contracts and uh yeah just don't skip over anything yeah and definitely just prepare for the unexpected you know, there's there's going to be little things that are going to just naturally creep up. So to your point, Spencer, budget, certainly put down what you both want. Make sure that that's accommodated, but also make sure that you're adding in a little bit of extra buffer because naturally things are just going to come up. May want to increase, you know, this, this or that, add this, this or here, whatever. But if you've already spent all the money that you've obligated towards this, now you're going to be really in a hard position to figure out well, we really want this. How are we going to get it and not have the funds available for it? Yeah. It, we should open with this. Stephen, what do you think the average cost for a wedding is? American wedding. Oh, boy. Average <laughs> yeah. cost. I always see I'm thinking big city. So if I go add rural America, I'll say $27,000. That is incredible. It's 30000 <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get a guess. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I blew you away with that yeah, one. That was good. But no, but they can get outrageously yeah. expensive, mm-hmm. and, and you can do it very affordably. Absolutely. And even we talk to, the, to the, any uh, parents who are willing to assist financially, decide, do you want to just cut a check? And say you spend as you see fit and keep whatever's left over. Yep. Or is it a free for all? We'll pay for everything. Don't worry about it, all all costs covered. So there's different approaches to that too. So parents and, are involved with that uh, decision as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why you plan early. Little Gia's already got her wedding fund started. So <laughs> just saying, <laughs> yeah. good financial planning. Yeah. Just applying it to the kiddo here. Yep. And the other thing, as a new couple or engagement, you have to start if you're if you're living together, is share. How are you going to share expenses? Yep. Yeah. Who's going to pay for what and how? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, is it, hey, we're going to split the utilities? Is the mortgage or, you know, the rent payment going to be cut in half? Are you responsible for groceries and I'm responsible for when we go out? You have to weigh those considerations in as all of this is developing, too. The the, the number one thing is determining, you know, joint accounts, individual accounts, a combination of the two. Those are those are very, very important. We we always talk about. I like to recommend cover cover the expenses together, mm-hmm. cover the required savings for retirement together, keep everything else for yourself. Yep. Right. So where you could then say, okay, I want to buy roses. It's not coming from the joint account, and then you're getting questioned. 
what is this invoice here for $45 on Valentine's Day, <laughs> right? So, so you have your own privacy to be able to splurge on your significant other, and, and there's no questioning there. So if you cover all the goals, cover the savings goals, cover the down payment goals, cover whatever requirements there are, everything that's left over should be used at your discretion. Mm-hmm. So there's no judging because that's that's the number one problem, I think, where when it comes to financing couples is people judge how money is spent. Right. And that's 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 where it can get get a little uh, scary there. So, well, we're going to come up on a break and say, can you save your thought? Yeah, yeah, you got All it. Right, we're going to save Spencer's thought there. And when we come back to uh, from our break, we're going to go into the marriage side of it, what needs to be covered there, and then maybe some other uh, tidbits. Uh, we're talking couples and money. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610. WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we focused on couples and money uh, post-Valentine's Day. And the uh, first couple segments, we talked about dating. Then we went to the engagement. Uh, before we get into marriage, Spencer, you had a question in regards to the last segment. Yeah, it's a good transition question, I think, too. And I don't think one there's a right or wrong answer to. But if people asked you, do you start blending the finances in the engagement cycle or after you're married? Do you ever lean in one of those directions? Yeah. Which one? After you're married until it's legal, right? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And and even we talk about that if you're not married, just the the risks and danger of buying a property together, right? You don't want to go through that because of a state plan and, and just the potential challenges or drama behind it. And number one reason, you're not married. Mm-hmm. period right there's none of this but this but that no you're not married and that's the way that's my approach it's a little a little extreme and hardcore but that's the reality behind it um you got to just be careful with it so no I, I don't believe in any joint accounts joint ownership until you are actually married yeah legally married i was going to say the one one thing that i always say to anyone that's considering buying a house with a you know significant other that that they're not yet married is would you engage into any other business contracts with them right now? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, you're basically buying an asset at this point. You're going to contribute different amounts to this particular investment. If it was any other business, would you consider doing it with the same person? I guess I never really thought about it. But in nine times out of 10, the answer is still yes. Yes, But again, it it gets them to think about it a little differently because you are, you're entering into a contractual obligation you're going to have to figure out who contributed what. If you use one person's money for the down payment, the other person's paying you back versus rent. What does that look like? It, it can be a whole big thing. So absolutely. Yeah, it's got to be careful. But until my opinion is, until you're ma- married, you're not. Yeah. Right. And then and work that work together around it. And that might be the reason to go elope at the courthouse. <laughs> yeah. Right. And just have the ceremony after the fact. Whatever. No one needs to know. Mm-hmm. Right. You're legally married. So and I've seen that before. So yeah. I had friends, they got married on the top of a ski ski mountain, and then a month later, they got married in Miami. So and they're like, oh, we've already been married a month. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah, so they had the ceremony after the fact. Um, all right, so marriage happened. Yes, How do does. we? What do we do now? I mean, I, I view it as pretty much a great reset, um, whether it's yep. on the personal side or whenever I've worked with someone and then they got married, right? Every It's pretty much pretend like we're having to press restart again, so... Whether it's 
joint tax returns. That plays a role depending on what incomes were as a single person. Now you're married. The rates or brackets just changed. Do you now need new insurances that you didn't have before? Do you need life insurance? Do you need disability insurance? I mean, pretty much you have to reevaluate every single uh, piece of the pie in conjunction with the goals like we've been talking about. Great point. And that goes with many phases, marriage, divorce, birth, yep. death, right? All those phases of life, um, you have to hit reset mm-hmm. and, and you do. Maybe things won't change, but maybe they will, but you have to address it and reevaluate it. Craig, how do you approach the newlywed scenario? Newly newlywed scenario at that point. I mean, obviously it, it you hope that you've had all the conversations that we've talked about coming into this. So, you know, what's your financial habits? What, where do you tend to save money? What are you trying to save for? What are your goals? Um, but once you have those goals, how are you going to continue to monitor those goals? Maybe adjust the goal line and then also figure out, okay, well, if we do have excess or if we do come into some excess funds, what are we going to do with them? Is it going to be fun money? Is it going to be going towards this goal or that goal? And then to, tie that into, okay, well, as we reach these different phases of life, do we feel like there's certain milestones that we need to hit? Mm-hmm. You know, is it, hey, I need to have half a million dollars in my investment portfolio by the time we have our first child? That That's a goal. Yep. It may seem strange to phrase it like that, but, you know, realistically, you got to consider those things as you're talking about this. That And, and again, right, to, to your point about the goals, because 99% of the time you'll have imbalance incomes yeah there won't be identical right so someone some member of the party will be contributing more to the household than the other but to your point to the first segment we are going from a me scenario to a we scenario Mm -hmm. and if the marriage is out of convenience bad idea right right that's that's the wrong reason to get married so now we are in a we scenario so if your income is higher you're gonna have to sacrifice more financially yeah. to for the common goals right and that's that's reality yeah i guess too i'm not a, i'll be perfectly honest i'm not a huge budget fan i think some people it's great if there was one time i think it would be really helpful to do a budget would be after getting married right even if it's just to say here's what's coming in here's based on the goals where it needs to be deployed if someone asked me for a bullet point checklist i would think you start with the goals then make a budget. And then from there, some of the other things like the insurances and the tax returns, uh, that kind of falls into place after, I would think. Yeah. 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 And that's why, again, savings, the third party's third savings account, right? You have your IRAs, you have your 401ks, 403bs, you're saving collectively for retirement. Then those secondary goals, are we saving for a vacation? Mm -hmm. Are we saving for a car? Are we saving for whatever it might be? But then that's where I say it is important to have some residual money for yourself Mm -hmm. for those private moments where there's you're not dealing with the judgment factor. Right. And that's that's the important thing, because that's where it gets uh, people start to get skeptical. Why are you spending money on this or that? Because we value things differently. Oh, there are things I'm willing to spend money on that you're probably like, he's crazy and vice versa. (laughs) Right. So that's but that's reality. Yeah. My wife said. Craig, I didn't realize that there was a beer budget as large as yours until we got married. But I was like, hey, I, I do that because I don't spend money on clothes or much yeah, of anything else. But right. that's that's my thing. Yep. So I mean, that's a great example, right? So that's yeah. the reality. And I, I always use uh, um, golf and yep. shopping, right? People like maybe like new shoes. Other people like the golf. Mm-hmm. Who's to say what's worth what to, to the other? And you don't right. want to get into those scenarios. So. The other thing, too, is you got to be very transparent with credit cards. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No different than the dating scene, but now it's joint liability. 
and you're responsible for, for each other's credit cards. So that honesty and transparency needs to be there as well. Well, and here's probably the if you haven't to this point, please take this down, request a copy of your credit report. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times you know people, whether they're brand new to us, whether they're just getting married, they've never looked at it before. They don't know what loans or what liens may still be outstanding. And there was one point in time where I, I was looking over someone's. Their parents had opened up three different credit cards for them, had left balances on those cards, thankfully had paid them off before we request, requested the credit report, but they were still open. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very awkward conversation with their parents at that point, but it was, hey, wanted to double check. Why did you do this again? What you know? What's going on here? But that was something that we found by going through it. I think the other thing I would say, it's not really a rule of thumb, but something I kind of find myself having to talk to a lot of newlyweds about, despite not being married yet, is um, I think once the smoke settles, a lot of people have the inclination to immediately kind of dive headfirst into taking action, 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 whether it's a ton of money towards debt or more towards the 401k or the IRAs or something like that. If there is a goal for kids or if there is a goal for moving or anything like that, just don't be too aggressive, right? Do all the right things, do the budget put money away, have a cash reserve, but don't just automatically start deploying all of your cash and income coming in. Kind of wait and see how things pan out for six months. Wait and see what develops, and then from there, maybe revisit the action plan. So I almost think you probably should do that every six months for the first year, two years. And that's what I hate at this current environment. We're coming up on the close here, but the current environment is for the housing market. Mm -hmm. For a newlywed, they feel like, oh, we have to buy a house now because it's only going to go up in value that is very dangerous because you might not be able to afford it. You're mm-hmm. jumping. The, it is what it is. And yeah. no, there will be a, a slowdown in the real estate market eventually someday down the road. We don't know when, but don't buy out of necessity, but do it when the time is right. And that's probably the most important thing. But well, we'd like to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Please share this uh, information with anyone you care about. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.